Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Texas, Trump's BLM and Antifa, the many faceted Marxist attacks on America and America winning against Marxists. And again, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And welcome again to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. I have to start off by saying I want to thank Matt, the wonderful producer, because I'm not doing this show in my studio. I am actually visiting family. We're out of town. But I'm doing this even though we're on vacation. And Matt was able, as you can see, looking at the screen, it looks like I'm at my normal desk at the studio in Dallas with the traffic behind me. Kind of fun. I'm really not there, but I want to compliment and thank the very talented Matt for getting that figured out. Well, in the first five today, I want to talk a little bit about what happened in Texas over the weekend. So I did hear prior to the weekend that there were all sorts of messages that are being picked up that Antifa was going to, and Black Lives Matter, they have been, you know locked arms, as they're both Marxist organizations, Antifa and the Black Lives Matter organization had locked arms and they were going to descend on the city of Austin, the capital city of Texas. And they were coming from Seattle and Portland where they just finished destroying those cities. And the message toward Austin was they intended, they wanted to burn down the police station. They wanted to try to burn down the Capitol which we have a beautiful historic capital, almost every state does, but a beautiful historic capital. Um, and they basically wanted to set up the same thing they did in Portland or in Seattle with their Chaz or CHOP idea, that they're setting up their own little area. They're claiming they're in, in charge of it. It's their area. They have jurisdiction. Keep the police out. The same thing they were doing um, in the upper, mid, upper um, uh, Northwest. And so, but fortunately for America, for Texas, and for the people in Austin, uh, the uh, Austin authorities had wind of it ahead of time. So they were very, 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 very ready for them. One thing that in Austin they did is that we have in Texas, not just for this occasion, but, and other big cities do, but we have mounted police. We have some officers who simply ride around on horses, which actually works fairly well in a, a busy city with a lot of traffic. Uh, they can get around sometimes where cars could not. So in Austin, the police basically met the Antifa and BLM protesters and said, not here. This is Texas. We're not going to humor you the way you got humored in Seattle and Portland. Not happening here. And so the police actually prevented this setup of this Chaz Chop, whatever they would have called it, uh, some new name they might have had uh, in the state of Texas. Just said, we're not doing that. One thing that the police did, which I found very entertaining, was that they're on horses. So they physically actually had the horses, the, the officers on horses, dispersing this crowd, trying to take over an area. So I want to ask Matt the one if I send him a clip showing what happened in those um, areas uh, in Austin where the Antifa tried to show up and disrupt. Come on, everyone! 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 Come on,
Okay, we can cut them off. I've had about enough of them. I wanted to show you how violent it got in Austin. I mean, it got really, really violent. I wanted to show you that much and share a couple of things that happened because this actually segues well into what I want to talk about today on this show, which is we law-abiding, reasonable, patriotic Americans tend to look at every incident and every issue as unique. We try to understand what they're protesting. We're trying to understand what the point is. How can we fix this for you? Is there some way we can you know, make you feel better? Tell us what you're upset about. And so we respond to things like this and in kind of a, a linear way. Protesters come, they said this, we think, how do we respond? And we need to in our country, and it's not just the police and the authorities, but the average Joe American, the average Joe patriotic American needs to recognize that every single little story we are seeing, every incident, everything we're watching is simply the individual manifestation of the a radical, um, the anti-American Marxist left in their war against America. Just like in a major war, if we, ha you know, if you talk about World War II or any major war, you may talk about the battle here, the battle there, there are facts you know, on the ground and all that, but the battle was just part of the larger war. Well, all that we're seeing, we're seeing many, many battles in this country brought on by the radical left, the Antifa, BLM, violent, rioting, criminal conduct in major cities around this country is just one battlefront. It's just one, one battle that the overall enemy, the anti-American Marxist left, communist, Marxist, socialist, call it what you want, Antifa, BLM, the entire radical left is using a multi-pronged attack against America. These attacks that we, we just saw what was happening in Austin, Texas, been happening in cities around this country, that's just one piece of the larger battle against America, one piece of the Antifa BLM Marxist attack on America. So we have to be able to respond in the larger context of fighting back, recognizing this is just one front in the radical leftist war and the destruction of America. So for example, in other cities, the police have allowed people to riot. They've said, well, you know, they're really upset. Let's just let them get out of their system. Let them go ahead and destroy a few things. In fact, that happened in 2015 in the city of Baltimore. You may recall after the death of Freddie Gray and the custody of police, there were massive riots and same kind of thing, destruction of property, burning of buildings and, and burning of police cars, a lot of really horrible violence, which by the way, has not dissipated. But I want to ha ask Matthew Wonderful to play a very short clip of the then mayor in Baltimore, how she handled, how she talked about what it was she was going to do with violent protesters. We also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. Okay, they gave criminals space to destroy. I know that clip, she became famous for that clip, and maybe there was some attempt to justify or explain it. But I really want to get this point clear as we go through what we're going to talk about today in this, on this show. America really is under assault. It is an assault on the very identity, the very fabric, the very meaning, the very identity of America. The left is using many, many battlefronts to do that. And if you are the general on our side, you have to respond you know, to each situation, of course, and, and respond specifically to issues. But you have to respond also to the larger recognition 
all these people want to do is to destroy America. So you had in Austin, I was very proud, honestly kind of surprised because Austin's a very leftist city. For Texas, it's a very leftist city. But they were having none of it. They were not going to allow these people to set up camp, to set up chaz or chop. Wasn't going to happen in Austin. Simply not going to allow it. You saw the people on horses driving the protesters away. They ultimately gave them warning, saying, you know what, folks? Get off the streets. You cannot. You're not allowed to block the streets. And if you don't get off, we're going to arrest you. And then they followed through. And the people either got off the streets or they got arrested. Something in the range of three dozen people were arrested. And I'm going to guess in Texas, maybe actually prosecuted. But the point is, we do not have to humor lawlessness. If you are the quick points to wrap up this first five. We become so accustomed to violence in this country that we've lost track of what it was, what it is that the First Amendment protects. The First Amendment protects the right to peaceably assemble. You absolutely have the right. Sometimes you have to get a permit, but you have the right to peaceably assemble, to get a group together and to hold a protest and hold up signs and say, you know, um, whatever your demands are. That's peaceful protest. That's protected by the Constitution. You do not have the right, no matter how angry you are, how right you think you are, you do not have the right to destroy property, to block streets, to destroy buildings, to burn cars, to even to block public freeways or highways. That is not included in the constitutional protection of the right to peaceably assemble. There needs to be a readjustment right now before we get to the fall, because we're going to have a raucous fall, my friends, a raucous fall before the elections come around. We need to recalibrate everything we think about protests. Yes, you can protest all day long, peaceably and orderly and in a way that does not interfere with the normal flow of traffic and the normal conducting of business. Just because you're angry does not mean you have the right to disrupt other people's businesses, lives, or harm their homes. The other little piece of what this, these Antifa people had in mind in coming to Austin was they specifically had threatened they want to go to the house of one member of the city council, Austin, who has not yet completely capitulated to the idea that in Austin they should defund the police. One member of city council is saying, well, I think we can cut the police funding. We can cut it somewhat, but I'm not too sure about this whole you know, defund the police thing. So these people who came into uh, Texas from Seattle and Portland came here knowing already who in the Austin City Council was saying, not playing this game with you, not going to do this, not going to defund the police and enable your violence to continue. They were targeting her house also. Fortunately for us, for Texas, for America, you saw the way America should respond to violence and destruction. You cannot humor this stuff, folks. You can't humor it. You can't say, okay, like the mayor of Baltimore, go ahead, just vent, you know, get a little bit of venting and then we'll be okay. It is the camel's nose in the tent. It is the foot in the door. It is the whole, it is the agreement. If you let that happen, just a little bit happen, that you aren't really going to defend the idea of America anymore. You're not really going to defend the idea of having lawful, orderly, civil society. You're surrendering to terrorists. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, are terrorists. They must be treated that way. They must be crushed that way. We can have and we will have conversation in this country on all sorts of issues that relate to our conduct of the police departments, uh, uh, any issues we can have, we have in this country, we can talk about.
but we're not going to have these surrender to the crazies in order to make sure they don't get too mad at us. We need to be we need to be more like Austin, less like Portland and Seattle. We need to just say no to the Antifa, BLM, Marxist, anti-American terrorists. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. I want to turn and talk about, I, I mentioned at the start of the show, I wanted to kind of hit on the many faceted Marxist attacks on America. You know, I, I use the term Marxist, and I'm aware that some people uh, say, well, this isn't really Marxism because, you know, they're not trying to take over the means of production. They're not, you know, it's not the ownership of the means of production, blah, blah. You need to understand what, how, what the left is doing to America. And I mentioned the entire battle plan thought. Violent rioters in the streets threatening people. That's one piece of it, where you have people in cities around this country cowering in their homes or selling their homes and leaving, abandoning their businesses, just trying to get away from these crazies. And what you ha- what though they have achieved then in doing that, in rioting and destroying and, and behaving like mobs and thugs, you've achieved control because civilized society has surrendered to you. This is part of what the radical left wants. They want America to just surrender and say, okay, okay, you know, what more do you want? What, what more can we do for you? And we have to recognize we cannot do that, but all that cannot surrender. But all this violence are many, many other ways in which this Marxist attack on the very identity of America is being carried out right before our eyes. And again, instead of just responding to this particular battle or this particular battle, we have to have a response that is whole America the identity of America, standing up for self and fighting back. But I want to run through some of the ways that the Marxist attack on America is being carried out. One has to do with education. And if you listen to my show at all, you recognize that over the last decades, you've had the communist infiltration of this country beginning in the 1920s, but coming forth to today, communist infiltration of anti-American, anti-freedom, anti-capitalist, pro-socialist, pro-Marxist, pro-communist mindset penetrating America's academic uh, from, I tell you, folks from kindergarten to grad school, you've had it penetrate. So you have kids today leaving high school, leaving college, hating America, thinking all of America's founders were racist and, and xenophobic and all the other crazy things that they accuse them of. You have the America's founding recharacterized by the 1619 Project. So you actually think America is an evil country. You have kids leaving high school and college, no clue about the beauty, the extraordinary greatness of the ideas of the founding of America, because all they've been taught is the 1619 Project and America is a deeply racist country, and we are just permeated with systemic racism. This is what kids already think. But in Chicago, there was a press conference called by a series of Chicago leaders. These are teachers. They're in education, politics, and other arenas. They gathered to make a demand to the Illinois State Board of Education that it change the history curriculum in that state, change the history curriculum, and for a time until the new curriculum approved by these radical leftists gets put in place that no history will be taught in the state. This is their idea. They want to have the Illinois State Board of Education order teachers, public school teachers, to not teach history until these radical leftists can impose their radical anti-American ideas as the core curriculum of what kids are taught in America. 
Kids are already taught to hate America. They're already taught that America is a racist and bad country, and that we have a bad history, and that we're filled with systemic racism. These clowns, it's not even enough for them. So you have these leaders in Chicago making this demand. I want to contrast that with the reality that kids already, we've had our curriculum just uh, poisoned, poisoned by anti-American leftism already in this country. We have uh, parents in states around the country trying to have a say in their public school curriculum and say, hey, wait a minute, why are we teaching, you know, uh, you know, half a day on George Washington and describing him as a an evil, uh, selfish, imperialist slave owner? Why is that the only thing? And then we have, you know, weeks on end, a social justice warrior uh, curricula. You already have parents trying to correct that. And these people in Chicago are saying it's not even good enough yet. In fact, their argument is in Chicago that the reason that we have so much racial tension in our country is because the way history is taught, we have too many students who don't understand anything about other cultures, other religions, other races, other ethnicities, that we don't ever teach anything about the history of other groups. So therefore we don't understand each other. Therefore we have all this racism. This is so Orwellian that it's beyond Orwellian. The left has orchestrated, orchestrated the hate of America. The left has worked vigilantly, tirelessly to divide America by race. They have consciously, intentionally indulged in, encouraged the concept of identity politics. So people think their very identity in America's political culture is whatever skin color they happen to be or ethnicity rather than the ideas of America. But even all of the anti-Americanism they've already infested our school system with was not enough. These folks want to have entire history curriculum put aside and instead no history taught until they can come up with history. They say means their standards of adequately, adequately representing the history of all sorts of people in this country, uh, of people of different race, ethnicity. Contrast that with, there was a great article and I shared it on our website. And our website is americacanwetalk.org. And I said that slowly because I've gotten some emails from people saying, you say the name of your website too quickly, I can't catch it. americacanwetalk.org. On that website, on the homepage, under shows at the homepage, drop down lists of links. You can read this article, great Federalist article. The writers is basically writing about having interviewed a fourth grade teacher and that fourth grade teacher describing to her how her ability to teach truth, to teach children about the truth of America, the identity of America, the history of America, not whitewashing and making it perfect, but the reality, but her ability to teach history, math, science, language arts, has been completely taken over by the left-wing agenda. They now use the term an integrated curriculum. And she points out, integrated curricula means that everything the kids learn is all kind of connected with each other. All of it, she points out, is to push the progressive leftist anti-American worldview. So this is already the school teachers are saying, you know, we, we aren't really teaching kids what America is, and the left is not even, they're still not satisfied with how much they have driven out of American society, the basic concept of love of America, love of patriotic love of this precious country. And so just contrast that, the reality already being taught in schools versus what these Chicago teachers are trying to do. This is one battlefront of the anti-American Marxist left, which is to so contort education that no kid possibly leaves school understanding anything about the greatness of America. They don't even know. 
They don't know because all they've been gotten in public school is left-wing indoctrination. Another battlefront the left is on to, and it's just really taking um, uh, just, just ma major, major headway, um, has to do with the destruction of religion and the idea of religion being taught in our country and the importance of a place of religion. And again, if you do not think that this radical Black Lives Matter Marxist organization, Antifa organization, which is communist and anti-American, dedicated to destroying America, if you don't think that they are Marxist, if you still think somehow this probably relates to George Floyd's most unfortunate death in Minneapolis, please listen to this. In Portland now, these anti-American Marxist protesters are now burning Bibles. Burning Bibles. Remind me what that has to do with George Floyd, who I believe his family said was Christian. So again, understand, we're watching the, we're watching the unfolding of a Marxist attack on America. This is another battlefront. This is just one example of how Marxist the protests are that they have burned Bibles. But this particular aspect of attacking America and our religious uh, basis of America, the Judeo-Christian ideas of America, has been happening in our courts for decades where you have the uh, Americans United because we hate religion and all sorts of organizations like that. That's not their real name, uh, but they it's like what should be their name. They spend their time litigating and arguing over whether, whether city councils can open a meeting with a prayer. So you have the attack on the religion, the religious founding of America, another Marxist accomplishment they must make. They must make destroying religion uh, a, a front and center issue because it allows them to push their Marxist ideas. Another battlefront this Marxist attack on America includes is the, is the whole idea of attacking our history. So we attack our history through our um, schools, as we were talking about a moment ago, but during these protest marches, they've been taking down and, and desecrating statues of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, Christopher Columbus. I mean, just anyone in American history that kids used to learn about their role in our history with their contributions. You didn't have to learn these people were perfect. You could have added things to point out that we've now discovered certain things about them that weren't perfect. But the left's idea is simply to destroy the very understanding of American history. So latest little example, which is just, I, I mean, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a gift that keeps on giving, she recently made statements attacking as a white supremacist um, incident, an, an example of white supremacy that a priest, a Roman Catholic priest named St. Damien of Molokai, she, there was a statue for, of him for him. She attacked him because he was a colonizer. This was her word. He was a colonizer. To understand this guy, this priest, he was a Catholic priest who worked specifically trying to help people living in leper communities when leprosy was rampant. And leprosy is very contagious. And that's why when people came down with leprosy, they got sent out of society, off to live in leper colonies, often insufficient Food, housing, care, and, and they were just, they were literally outcasts. I mean, the expression of an outcast or being like a leper is still used today to symbolize it. So this priest decided you can't treat people like that. So he actually went into these leper colonies, helped them, brought education, helped them understand with housing, helped them, I mean, literally tried to help them have a somewhat normal life. He contracted leprosy through that contact. He died of leprosy at a young age. This guy memorialized for his goodness. AOC calls another example 
of white supremacy and colonizing of America. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, but again, understand, she is a trained Marxist. AOC is not just a daffy airhead. She's a trained Marxist. She understands the point of what she's doing is to make sure that Americans hate their history. Americans hate their history. Another example that is just a, an amazing, uh, you, you can hardly believe we're watching these things unfold in this country. But the idea, even, you know, even one year ago, if someone told you in America, we're going to have a movement to defund the police, you would say, well, that'd be the craziest thing ever. You know, I hope the Democrats do take that up that uh, mission because that will really assure Republicans will win. We have come in one year from the place that that was a radical kooky idea that even Bernie Sanders wouldn't push, defund the police, to an idea which is now very commonplace and being discussed in cities around this country. In New York City, massive increase in violent crime because they have been giving voice to, understand, they haven't even done it yet. They're just talking about it. They voted on it. They're going to defund the police, not entirely, but very significantly. They've already had a rise in crime because why wouldn't the criminals commit more crimes? They can see there's no police around here. There aren't going to be police. We're going to have fewer and fewer people in charge. What the heck? I'm going to go ahead and do my violent thing. But in Minneapolis, where it's come to a head, Minneapolis also one of the cities that had a, a decision had a decision to defund the police. Uh, in Minneapolis, they've now had advice given out in the third precinct area of Minneapolis. So this is the city of Minneapolis. If you listen to my show all the time, I have great fondness for Minneapolis. I went there growing up every single summer of my life. Dozens of cousins there, aunts, uncles, and this is gone to ruin. So in Minneapolis, in the third precinct, the police put out a, a warning to citizens, instruction to citizens, which basically said, if someone accosts you and they try to attack you and they try to take your purse, or your wallet, just give it to them. Just give it to them. Just surrender. Don't expect police support. Don't expect someone to come and help you. Don't expect any, any follow-up by the police because the police are being vanquished from the city of Minneapolis. So all these people live in their lives in Minneapolis, their lifetime, many times for generations of people in Minneapolis. They have worked hard. They have gone to their jobs every day. They pay their taxes, which is supposed to support civil society. And the answer to those people of the police, police department, the third precinct in Minneapolis is just give the criminal, give them what they want, whatever they want. They want your wallet, your purse, just give it to them. And they added, do as the criminals say, do as they say. This is not just a crazy, it is crazy, but it's also another example of what I'm talking about. The anti-American Marxist left attack on this country includes the idea of getting rid of police. Because if you get rid of police, you have chaos, you have fear rampant, you have destruction rampant, you have people so frightened that they will put up with anything the government says. A frightened people, a people recognizing they have no more control over their lives, the police are never going to help them, are going to eventually put up with a more Marxist government-controlled society just to get order back. There is always a method in the madness of the left in America. Always a method, always a mission. It is not because they really, truly, deeply think somehow America will be safer and more peaceful and more, you know, um, harmonious 
if we just get rid of police. They know perfectly well what will happen. Bedlam will rule. Chaos, violence will rule. And people will then say, fine, 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 fine. Whatever it is I got to do, go ahead. I'll sign me up. I want the violence to end. I'll do whatever these crazy leftists are telling me to do. Last point I want to hit in this whole many fronts of the battle, the anti-American Marxist left is engaged in a whole other front has to do with their control over our culture. And in specifically, a it's two facets that are, that are the anti-American Marxist left in this next story. One is they are determined to convince every American that you must figure out what racial and ethnic silo you belong to. And that is your whole identity. Your identity is African-American, Asian-American, um, you know, um, Hispanic American, whatever it is, your whole identity must be that. And they succeed in that by the constant uh, politics of identity, the hyphenated groups, everybody gets assigned to those. And this helps the left destruction of America. Because if you identify, if your main sense of your identity is that you are a you know Caucasian American, a Hispanic American, Asian American, African American, if that's your whole identity, then you are not going to have a sense of identity tied to the founding of America. You're not gonna have the identity that says, I'm an American. I believe that we all have rights from our creator simply because we were born. I believe all men are created equal that we all have rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You're not going to pursue your sense of identity, your sense of rights from that. You're going to simply sink into an ugly silo identified by and defined by a factor you didn't create because the left told you that's where you live. But once they've accomplished that, the second they can do then is control language and they have yet another basis to divide America, to make you hate each other, divide each other. And one thing the left has been doing, this gets around the story I want to tell you, it's the most interesting story, but I wanted to get that, that background for it, that kind of foundation for it, before I share the story. So there's a young woman, a young, uh, she's uh, 21 or something like that, 22 years old. Her name is Morgan Bullock. She's a black American young woman, and she's from, I think, Virginia. And she, at a young age, went to some performance and saw Irish dancing. You know, Irish dancing, you see in movies where there really aren't a lot of hand gestures. They saw your feet and all the fancy movies. She thought it was the coolest thing she ever saw in her entire life. This girl's name is Morgan Bullock. And she decided, she was so interested, started taking classes in Irish dancing. Recently, she posted something, a video of herself on TikTok because she's become quite the accomplished dancer, Irish dancer. She is just doing the unique style of Irish dancing. And so now I want to play. So what happened was she did this video of herself uh, or she, and she put up in TikTok. She's very accomplished. I mean, she's the, the video, you should listen to the whole thing, but the little portions I picked out, I'll show you in a moment. But this is what happened to her because she happens to be black and she happens to be really, really in love with or very fond of Irish dancing. Here you have Morgan Bullock. People saying that I shouldn't be Irish dancing because I'm black and I don't look like most Irish dancers. 
but I saw it for the first time at a recital and it was just the coolest thing ever to me. When you think of Irish dancing, this probably isn't what comes to mind. This is 21-year-old Morgan Bullock, an Irish dancer from Richmond, Virginia, who recently went viral for her dancing on TikTok. Part of my life. She started going to classes a few times a week and attended dance competitions. And Morgan, when you went into those Irish dancing classes, were you the only African-American girl in the class? Yeah, I was always the only one in my class. Did that ever have any effect on you or how did that make you feel? I mean, obviously, it's hard to miss uh, <laughs> someone who's actually their face matches their legs at the competitions because, you know, the there's like the tanner you like. There's a lot of tanner. <laughs> yeah, a lot of yeah. tanner, but it's, it's hard to miss someone who's African-American. I don't think I ever considered it an issue. It was definitely something that I took note of, but I had grown up in a predominantly white area, so it wasn't something that I was uncomfortable about. After going viral with her Irish dancing, the reaction was overwhelmingly positive. But there were a few who thought that what she was doing was inappropriate. <clears throat> the negative comments that people were leaving under the video, what were people saying? Just early on, like shortly after posting it, some people were saying that what I was doing was cultural appropriation, just because I don't look like what you would typically picture an Irish dancer to look like. But I mean, so were they saying because you weren't Irish and because you were not white that you shouldn't be performing Irish dancing? Yeah, basically that's what they were saying. You were misappropriating the Irish dancing culture. I mean, my understanding of the term is that it means when you're taking something from another culture, claiming it as your own without recognizing where it comes from, and that couldn't be further from what I'm doing. Okay, I love that girl. I love what she's saying, and I wanted to expand what she, her point she was making there, which is cultural appropriation versus appreciation. The story is interesting because she's obviously, she thinks for herself, she saw this Irish dancing age 10, thought, I'm going to do that, I can do that, and she's very, very good at it. There was a lengthy interview, one point made was that she was on, interviewed somewhere, and she was just invited to join the um Irish river dancing, which I guess is like the coolest thing ever. I don't really know about it, but the point is she was thrilled and, and, and tickled to pieces. But I want to make this point about people making the comments about her. They, the expression cultural appropriation has become another trendy left-wing Marxist tactic to, to try to force upon people, to inflict people with leftist thinking that says, you are assigned a certain race and ethnicity, and when you're assigned to that, certain qualities go with that, certain characteristics go with that, and you're the only, you own that. So somebody else who happens to be a different background, they're not allowed to do that, they're not allowed to like that, and you can accuse them of cultural appropriation. And I have to tell you, I've told, I remember stories you talked about in the show from colleges where there was a, uh, I think it was like, a, you know, Italian night at some school, I don't know what it was, but the point was some college that tried to have ethnic nights in the dining hall, this other night we're having Italian night or whatever the foods were that they were having. And there was a group uh, of students who attacked the university and they demanded a hearing and a fairness uh, thing. And they had to go through the, the snowflake assessment 
why I'm so offended because, you know, you serve this food, but it was, you didn't make it right. You know, we had Asian night, but it wasn't the right, you didn't do the right thing. And I felt insulted. The left has succeeded in destroying harmony, culture, and connection in our society by trying to embed in people the idea that your identity is the race or ethnicity you happen to be born. No one in the entire planet Earth chose their race or ethnicity. No one chose it. They just it is whatever you're born is what you are. This is where you know this is life. But the left has managed to push this idea so far that there is relentless, endless assessment and and discussion and dialogue and hurt feelings and who's offended more and I'm offended, but he's offended even more over cultural appropriation. Her very polite answer was, well, you know, what if it's just cultural appreciation? Because she obviously, she's not trying to pretend she's Irish. She's not trying to pretend she made up Irish dancing, not trying to pretend it's her, you know, thing that she invented. She just likes it and she's good at it. She's apparently very, very, very good at it. And so she's succeeding and she's having fun and she's enjoying her life and she's not living in the silo the left tries to assign to her. So number one, I love this story. This young girl, Morgan Bullock, is just pursuing what she likes. I love that. But I also love that she gave a great little line about it's not cultural appropriation. Well, can't I just be appreciating it? But I think the larger and, and deeper political point, this is another method, another way the anti-American Marxist left works to dissolve the cultural societal fabric of America, to try to tell people, because you have this background, you can't like this, you can't do this, you must like this, and everyone's supposed to nod along, go, okay, okay, I guess because I'm this, I'm not allowed to do that. And it is, it is so antithetical to the American spirit, and it is not just an innocent, um, innocent or coincidental development in America that cultural appropriation has become such a significant conversation on university campuses around this country. It is a tactic to make us feel divided a tactic to make us feel assigned to our ethnicity and therefore make us feel disconnected from our identity as Americans. Last thing I want to hit today, um, and you know, this is a, um, I, I realize sometimes in my show, I talk about a lot of things and I have had notes from readers or listeners saying, hey, you know, um, you know, what, what are you supposed to do about all this? You know, you bring all these troubles. I will say this and all these issues, I do think that in America, and this time early August 2020 in America, we are looking at a time period where we are very divided. But I also, and we have a lot of, obviously we see violence in the streets, very politically divided. We have people who are just promising they will leave America if Donald Trump is elected again. Uh, we have people just, just a, a, it seems to be a fever pitch of, of toxicity, and it carries over into the US Congress carries over into what the uh, Congress is, um, you know, uh, can, can get done, which is pretty much nothing, because the Democrats have spent three and a half years trying to find a way to get rid of President Trump. But I want to close and do my third segment today on a very positive note. We are actually winning in many, many ways we don't see. America is winning. The idea of America is winning against the anti-American Marxists who are in, in control of the left, who seem to dominate the news cycle, whose uh, followers on the left are extremely radical and are happy to destroy cities and burn buildings and kill people and burn police cars. 
the, the noise, the radical violence of the left is very evident. But I still say America, the idea is actually winning against these Marxists. And I want to give you some quick examples. Number one, Trader Joe's, the food store, kind of trendy upscale food store, always has uh, varieties of kinds of foods that are unique. Um, and people enjoy going there just to find, they always have something new and different um, that people like, like to taste and try. So there was a, um, a wokester, a young woman who decided to take on Trader Joe's and accuse them of cultural appropriation uh, because they had items like Trader Jose's. Like they have items they were trying to, they're always trying to introduce America to different ethnic foods, to different uh, countries, different kinds of foods. You know, they're, they're big into uh, expanding our food universe, I guess. So Trader Joe's had a line of Trader Jose's, Trader Ming's, and Trader Giotto's. And they have, you know, things that are named after a particular culture. And so, and the food goes to that culture. And so you had somebody came along, uh, some just a totally obnoxious child, uh, teenager came along, accused them of appropriating. Uh, and, and they were actually not just saying appropriating cultures, but racist. It was racist to use these terms. And Trader Joe's, the most politically correct store imaginable, was accused of racism. And what I want to say, just a quick summary of it is, Trader Joe's did not for once Corporate America did not capitulate. They actually looked at what they did. They thought through why they had introduced the reason for the for all these food lines, that they wanted to share different kinds of foods with people. And they actually asked customers, you know, what do you think about this, this food, that food? And customers said, man, we love it. We love the food. We love the taste. We love it. And so I get the idea. Trader Joe said, you know what? No, we're not playing your game. This goofball uh, girl got about couldn't even get 5,000 signatures. Um, and she basically got an answer from Trader Joe's, no, we're not changing our names. Uh, thanks for your input. I want to say, first of all, I really, really commend Trader Joe's. But I also want for my listeners who you're always, I, and I get notes all the time, how can I help? What can I do? Fight back. When I saw this story about Trader Joe's, I'm thinking I'm going to stop by Trader Joe's as soon as I can and stock up on whatever these things are. Because the message you can send is actually impactful if many people do it. Buy the things that they're, they're trying to claim are so racist, and, and you do end up helping push back against this, this just endless attack. And again, you have to understand, it's not because I'm taking sides about whether or not I like Trader Ming's or any other thing they offered. I am trying to, as, in the way I, best way I can think of to explain that it's not just you know, uh, hypersensitive uh, young people who become, who are think they're woke and they're really, really enlightened and they're going to help America understand all the racism floating in the air around them. It is with a mission that the left does this stuff. I don't know if this girl is a, who did this to Trader Joe's is just a useful idiot who has no idea why she did it, or she's actually very mindful of the Marxist intention. But the whole point of this is to destroy America to destroy a culture of happiness and, and, and harmony and, and productivity and freedom. It is to divide America. And it was great that Trader Joe's said, no, not listening to you. Other corporations need to start following Trader Joe's. And frankly, most corporations surrender to the left because too few people on the right speak up. And so all the people on the board here is not just the left wing 
you know, criticism and complaints, but threats and threats of boycotts and threats of labeling everyone on their board a racist, it becomes easier just to surrender. But surrendering to any one of these is the camel's nose in the tent, the foot in the door, the surrendering of more and more of America's greatness. Two other things quick on our how we are winning. Uh, one is a ratings crash. And this, I thought, was a great thing. You know, heaven knows, I mentioned, if you listen to my show, you know, we love sports in our family. I mean, we watch sports, um, definitely NBA and NFL. I mean, we, you know, we're a sports family. Our kids love sports. My husband loves sports. But the political correctness of putting Black Lives Matter, which everyone paying attention in America, everyone reading the news understands Black Lives Matter is part of a Marxist movement to destroy America. It has nothing to do with standing up against police brutality, nothing to do with standing up for equal rights for all Americans, nothing to do with that. It is a radical anti-American Marxist movement that's using race as an excuse for the violence they conduct. So Black Lives Matter, Marxist group, nobody should be backing them except if you're really a Marxist, fine, but, but people who love this country should not be. But the uh, Black Lives Matter movement has made its way into major sports. So the NBA and, and Major League Baseball um, are trying to get back on track a little bit after the COVID shutdown, trying to work their audience back. Into, and you can't go in person, but you can watch. But they both agreed to go with the Black Lives Matter uh, language somewhere on the court, on the uniforms, in their messaging. And America is responding. This I, I found this so heartening because America is saying, to the NBA, to Major League Baseball, we're not going to watch you while you support the Black Lives Matter movement because it's Marxist, because it's going to destroy America. And you should know this and you shouldn't be backing them. So they had a what only can be a, described as a massive ratings crash after investing their energies and their messaging in the Black Lives Matter movement. The numbers aren't that interesting, I guess, but you know, you had the um Lakers Clippers game only 3.4 million watching. Uh, I mean, I could read all these had very very few people watching in comparison to who used to watch this. America saying no, 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 no. We're not going to humor this. We're not going to play this game with you. We're not going to pretend that Black Lives Matter is an innocent good movement. We're going to re reject you until you stop pushing this. I love it. Okay, I have one more story for today that was in the same line of standing up. And it, I'll save it for another day. But in Texas, we had an effort, um, you know, another way that the left is just working at destroying America's culture and society has to do with taking charge of cities and counties and zoning areas and deciding who can live where. And, and there is, in fact, we'll have on the show on Thursday, I think it is this week, we have Hans Bonsakowski from the Heritage Foundation joining us talking about what it really is going to mean uh, if Joe Biden were to be elected and he goes through with the affirmatively furthering fair housing, which sounds like a great thing as all leftist ideas do. The titles sound great. The name sounds great. The fact is very, very alarming, alarming effort to have the federal government start dictating where people live, who must, what composition your community must have, whether in suburbia where people have moved out of big cities to enjoy the life of single family homes with a yard and a, and a community and to force densely populated low income housing right in the middle of those communities. 
that's part of affirmatively furthering fair housing. We had a great thing in Texas where the voters in one of the cities around here, I mean, it was a massive project, but they pushed back against these people who ran as Republicans to serve on the board in Plano, Texas. And, and they were going to bring in one of these massive, massive redistricting, change the city, change the whole way that feels to live there by force rezoning, uh, which was just no one wanted it. The citizens didn't want it. But these do-gooder left-wing Marxist-type thinkers who ran with ours next to their name, but they are not conservative or Republican, uh, and they pushed this plan, tried to cram it down the throat of the people. It took a massive pushback, finally got to an appellate court who said, told the city, you can't do this to the people. You cannot do this. That was more of the story I meant to tell right now. But just the point is, understand the, the big picture, uh, before I go to my, my um, closing, uh, why it matters to you, the big picture is this. America is founded on extraordinarily precious, great, good ideas. It is founded on the concept of individual freedom, personal responsibility, rights from God, simply because you were born. The values, the ideas, the whole concept of the rule of law, free markets and freedom and capitalism and working hard and, and, and receiving the fruits of, of reward for your labors. All of that's tied up in the right idea of America. The rule of law, separation of powers, the freedom of the individual. On the left, what you have is the radical leftists in this country are just as radical and leftist as the people who took over and destroyed Venezuela, who took over and destroyed and are still destroying Venezuela, who have ruined Cuba, ruined communist China, ruined North Korea. These radical ideas actually live in this country in the place, in the form of all sorts of people who are playing roles in the Black Lives Matter leadership, in the Antifa leadership, in the Democrat Socialists of America. These ideas that have ruined countries literally caused the starvation and suffering of millions and millions and millions of people. People in this country, in this country today, embrace those ideas and they are trying to push them on America the free, America the brave, America the great. The battle, and we're seeing the battlefront, many, many different fronts, all with the same mission, mission to get America to surrender the idea of America and give in and go along with the ideas of the radical left, which will destroy individual freedom, destroy liberty, destroy the whole fabric of our culture. And the leftists pushing these things in our country are not, are they smart enough not to be asking you in the polls, hey, what do you think? Would you like us to become communists? Because they know they'll get a no vote. So they push their agenda in a thousand different battle lines, a thousand different ways. The way they push America into being racially divided, into spreading the lie of, that there's systemic racism in America's policing. So this justifies ending the whole concept of normal policing in this country. The left pushes their lies in avenue after avenue after avenue, all designed to bring about the idea, the cult, the, the very change in America, the culture of America, surrendering uh, our various, our precious founding promises and simply capitulating to whatever they want. The left uses environmental policy. They use racial policy. They use uh, greed and, uh, and this whole idea of hate the rich and eat the rich. They use whatever arguments they can make that they think will appeal to the American people 
but their goal is never to fix the problem they're talking about. The goal is to bring about the destruction of America the free. Your job as a patriot is to recognize that, see it, and get involved in the fight at whatever level you can, whatever issues you can, stand up for the idea of America. At the end of every show, my very fine friends, I always turn to telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. And so our very first story today we talked about was Texas Trump's the BLM Antifa movement. Social media alerted everyone to impending protests planned for Austin, Texas. Protesters shipped into Austin from Portland and Seattle. Targets included Austin Police Department building, State Capitol building. Austin's the most liberal city in Texas, but even Austin, unwilling to humor wanton rioting and destruction of property. Police officers on horseback dispersed protesters. Protesters refusing to leave were warned of arrest and then were arrested. No deaths or major injuries to police or protesters. There is power and firmness and clarity and determination to defend principles of order liberty. Peaceful protests are fine. Rioting is not okay, ever. Austin set a useful example for other U.S. cities. Get tough early and stay that way. And we talked about the story on the show today about the many faceted Marxist attacks on America. Chicago leaders asking for suspension of teaching U.S. history until revised because current U.S. history teaching led to white supremacy and white privilege. Bible burning by Portland protesters, statue desecration of Washington, Jefferson, and Lincoln. AOC condemns St. Damien of Molokai, canonized for compassionate treatment of lepers as white supremacists. That's what AOC calls him. Minneapolis police advise us to give criminals what they want, your money, your purses, cultural appropriation, another leftist ploy to divide America. Americans must see through all of this to actual Marxist intentions, teaching Americans to hate their country and their heritage. Americans must reject all of it out of hand and not give one inch. And finally, we talk about America winning against Marxists. Trader Joe says no and wins kudos. Trader Mings and Trader Jose's are not and never were racist, so don't legitimize mob noise by saying otherwise. Major League Baseball and basketball essentially call America a racist country. That's what you're doing when you put Black Lives Matter signs up. You're calling America racist. And the ratings are cratering. The city of Plano of Texas successfully fights back against fake Republican governance. Acting against the will of the people can be overruled if people stand up. Americans can win this war, but they must recognize it and relentlessly resist. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk, where we always talk truth about America because America matters. And I got to tell you, folks, if you're watching, just tuning in now, we are working long distance. I want to thank Matt, the wonderful producer, Matt Stoker, fabulous producer, um, who's willing to work with me as we're out visiting friends, we're, uh, family, we're out of town doing the show uh, remotely. I thank him for his efforts and even putting my happy traffic in the background. So thank you for listening to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?